0: Welcome to a podcast dedicated to your mental health. Hi, I'm Bailey with the
1: Recording Library of West Texas.
0: Hi,
2: I'm Christy Edwards. I'm the Executive Director and a Therapist at Centers for Children and Families.
1: Hi, I'm Melanie Size. I'm the Marketing and Development Director at Centers for Children and Families. Together, we're bringing
0: you tips and tricks
1: on how to navigate this thing called life. This is Center Solutions.
0: Due to the nature of some of the topics that are discussed, listener discretion is advised. Hey, it's Bailey, Christy, and Melanie back with another episode, and we have a very special guest in the studio with us today. We have Dr. Stephanie Moses. Hi, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me, ladies. Thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your background and training. Okay,
3: well, I am a Texas native, I grew up in Dallas, and I went to the University of Texas at Austin for everything. Went straight through from undergraduate through graduate school. Graduated with my doctorate in clinical psychology in 2008, and moved promptly out to West Texas to begin my journey here.
0: And when did you move to West Texas?
3: In 2008, August of 2008. huh. I was promised by my significant other that it would be one year, and it's been 11. <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: so
3: so, and we are so glad we're here, and I'm also the mom of four.
0: It sure has changed since 2008.
3: It has changed a lot, which I'm happy with, partly.
0: And what do you specialize in? So
3: my immediate clinical focus areas tend to be on postpartum depression and trauma.
0: And what exactly is the Texas Tech University Health Science Center
3: Absolutely. So Texas Tech University is is a state university, and it has several different schools um, in the University a Law School and medical schools. So the medical schools who I work for, we have regional campuses, one in Lubbock, which is the main campus. And then we have uh, an Amarillo and a Permian Basin campus, and I am on the Permian Basin campus in the Department of Family and Community Medicine.
0: And what drove you to pursue a career in therapy? Have you always wanted to do that?
3: No. Absolutely not. I took Psych 101 and got a C in it. Hated it. <laughs> but uh, the, the more I continued my journey at the University of Texas, it just seemed like what I gravitated, gravitated towards just naturally. Uh, and then when I was graduating with my BA in psych and business, my dad said, well, great, now you can go get a job. And I do not want to do that. <laughs> so I went to school for six more years and became a doctor. Wow. And the longer I studied it, the more it just really seemed like it fit. It was just my personality.
0: So you moved straight to the Texas Tech University Center. Right after your doctorate, yes, and you've been there since,
3: and I have been there since. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: So, something really interesting about you also is that you are an author of a book, and yes. I want to know all about this book. Particularly, I want to know about the front cover because I think oh, that it's I an love awesome it. front cover. Thank First you. of all, tell us what the book is about, and it is called In Session. Yes. Okay. Tell us about what. Um, just give us a little bit of background on the book, and then explain to us the front cover. Okay.
3: So, in session is meaning to depict a therapy session. What happens when you're in a therapy session? Uh, so the book is a fictional account, and it follows four characters, four women th- living with untreated mental health conditions through their pro- process of therapy and their initial healing. And I say initial healing because there is a book, too, coming. So, uh, so you get to follow the, lim- the women as their lives just kind of unfold, and you can see exactly really what therapy looks like, at least from my clinical perspective.
0: And will it be a continuance, book number two, will it be a continuance of the same characters within the story?
3: Oh, it sure will. How it's going to get so you when even did more you, juicy.
0: When did you write the book?
3: Well, so the book has been, you know, in part of my imagination for years, and I just never thought it was going to get off the ground. Uh, and so, you know, I just kind of, I would write a little bit and, and then throw it all away. I would trash it all and write a little bit more and trash just, it. Just
0: like Stephen King.
3: Well, okay, I'll take that compliment. <laughs> I <know> the- <laughs> I don't think so, but okay, we'll take that. Uh, So I guess about two years ago now, I said, I have to do this. Uh, I really started getting into understanding and wanting to reduce the stigma of mental health, particularly among communities of color. And so I started thinking if I write a completely fictional account, maybe more people could identify with it as opposed to a self-help or a memoir or something of that nature. I like
0: that you made it fiction. Um, It's real situations, if I'm not mistaken, but written in a fictional format.
3: Absolutely. All the conditions and the symptoms that they experience are real, and it shows how they can manifest in daily activities or in lifestyles, uh, and their diagnoses are actual real diagnoses. So, but everything, all of the stories uh, that each of the ladies, their life experiences, are completely fictional. A lot of my patients and clients start to ask if it's about them. <laughs>
1: but, but I can understand that <laughs> because you're reading the book and you can certainly relate to a lot, if not all, of the characters on some level. So I understand well, how you. people would say, "Is that me?" Right.
3: Right. Well, that was my goal was to uh, have it, you know, be really generalizable and have people relate to it, but. Honestly, all of the characters are really parts of me, if I will be very honest with that. I
0: like that a lot. Okay, tell us about, if you can, can you kind of describe the front cover for our visually impaired listeners? Sure. Um, And do you know the person on the front cover?
3: Well, a lot of people think it's me, but it's not (laughs) at all. I don't know her, never laid eyes on her. I think she's beautiful, whoever she is. I don't even know if she's a real person or if the graphic artist did it. Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure if she's a model or not. Um, so what happened when I was ch- uh, choosing the cover is that I gave the publisher an idea of what I wanted to depict on the front cover. We went through a lot of different drafts. But the drafts initially were did not speak to me. They didn't have a human component to them. Uh, and so I had a really hard time after they came back with that particular cover and my choice of however many, three or four, That one popped, I mean, because it's a lady, there's a gray background, and there's an African-American woman on the cover with these bright red lipstick, and I love, you know, women that wear bright red lipstick, I just think that 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 really speaks to your character and and your confidence and your strength, Uh, and so she's in what I think is probably a very awkward pose covering one eye, but she's got on this beautiful white sweater, Uh, And so the cover just really pops. And then there's a tagline that says strong women don't do therapy, uh, because I think that that's uh, a message that is sent, particularly through the communities of color, that you don't need
0: to do that. I agree 100 percent. Yeah. And I think, Melanie, you have a you're going to read an excerpt from the book um, just to kind of give us an idea of the context and monologue that goes on within the story.
1: Um, I am. I'm going to read a a little a few parts of uh, of a section of a character character. called Sophie, and it's an interaction that Sophie is having with her mother. So some of the great things about this book is that you can actually see some of uh, the therapy sessions, what brings them into therapy. So uh, let me start with Sophie. Sophia, I've never seen you look this way. You look a sight. Why haven't you been taking care of yourself? This is Sophie's mother. This is a conversation of an adult woman uh, with her mother. Um, so her mom goes on and, and has some curt uh, and critical conversation and you can see Sophie's starting to react to it. And at some point she says, "'Who says I'm upset about my life?' Sophie asked, trying to keep her voice down, relieved that they were outside and they were in an environment that tuned out voices like her own. "'You do?' Everything about you just screams upset. You weren't raised to be what you are. And now you're learning that it's not for you. You can't take your children anywhere because I've seen them, and the two of them together are a holy terror. That's something you brought on yourself. You're trapped at home, and that's largely due to William not wanting you to ever leave. You think I don't know? You're having an emotional crisis. It's written all over your face. I hear it when we're on the phone. I hear it when you talk about the boys. I hear it when you talk about William and what you have to do for everyone. You don't mention yourself. You leave yourself out of it. You should be taking yourself into account. You should talk to me about it, you know, she said, and took another gentle bite of her cheese and locks. So they go on and they continue to have conversation. Sophie felt the tears well up in her eyes, but she couldn't cry there, not in public like that. How am I supposed to talk to you if you criticize everything I do? She scoffed a little at that notion. I'm not being critical. I'm being honest. There may be things you don't know about me, about my childhood, and perhaps it's time you do. But first, let me say that since you and William have stopped coming to church with me, I've noticed your changes more and more. I think if you started coming again, and perhaps had to sit down with the pastor or his wife, you might feel better.
3: Thank you. Sure it was beautiful.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, by the way, we're always needing volunteer narrators. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, they're, they're <laughs> Stephanie, can you tell us about that scene? Um, so basically a lot of people try to tell you what they, they think you need for therapy oh. or when moms and daughters. Yeah. yeah. So let's dive into that <laughs> in. Let's just get to the meat and potatoes of it. Sure. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. Do you you're asking in particularly what is the scene about yes. and what's what's really behind it. Sophie has a very interesting relationship with her mother. Her mother and um, Sophie is an African American woman and typically in the black community, mothers are very strong and very dominant uh, and sometimes that can manifest in a little bit of criticism or it can be perceived as, as criticism uh, and so Sophie's parents have worked very hard to make sure she's successful and she's an Ivy League graduate and she's chosen to stay-at-home and be a stay-at-home mom, which she thinks is fine, but she's actually uh, having some issues adjusting to her life. She's got these twins, and she doesn't know what to do with them. (laughs) And uh, her husband tends to be extremely dominating, too, and often we end up marrying one of our parents.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that my entire life, and it's true.
3: That is absolutely (laughs) true. So that uh, particular scene was uh, Sophie's mom basically letting her know, hey, something's up, you've changed, which sometimes our family members don't do, they ignore it. And so the good thing is that Sophie's mom is saying, something's wrong with you and and you're not happy the
0: the best presentation but at least she's aware that her daughter something is going on within her life yes
3: it was a horrible way to present it to Sophie (laughs) (laughs) but often and and you know I'm a mom at four and I don't say everything correctly all the time you know a lot of times we're 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 led by our emotions and our fear for our children's and so and we say things that are not appropriate and and they don't go over well but sometimes we're planting seeds you know and so it was what Sophie needed to hear in that particular moment even though she didn't respond to it very well.
0: So let's say someone is in the same position as Sophie and obviously someone within their family who they love and trust has told them, hey, I think it's time that maybe you start paying attention to your behavior changes or mental health. How do you, how do you deal with that internally as a person when someone you love says, hey, I think something's off?
3: Well, I don't know, Chris, If you want to jump in with that, or do you want me to go? Keep
2: forward?
0: talking. Okay. I'll
3: jump in. Uh, I think when it's someone we trust, right? Just because it's a family member doesn't necessarily mean we trust them. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust them mm-hmm, emotionally, mm-hmm. right? And so, <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, we've all yes, we've yeah. all experienced that. But I, I do think that when someone that we love and trust, no matter how it's the, how it's presented to us, when we notice that shift in mood or emotion, you know, that twinge in your stomach or your heart starts racing, or maybe the heat you know, builds up in your body because you're getting angry. I think that that is a great signal to stop and think, are we offended by what they're saying because it's hurt our feelings? Are they correct? Or maybe we're just completely misunderstood. And in those moments, you can respond appropriately according to whatever it is. But most of the time, when someone's noticed our behavior has changed, we've already noticed it. Absolutely.
0: And what the first step is to contact a counselor Are psychologists someone with a professional background?
3: Well, sure. I I think that, you know, sometimes mental health services can be a bit difficult to get to because you have, if you have insurance, you might need a referral. Uh, And there's different hoops sometimes you have to jump through, which I think is one of the unfortunate parts of the work that we do. But you can always just go to your doctor. You go to your doctor, you can go to a school counselor if you are in school or college. Uh, a lot of companies, corporate organizations have EAPs, which is employee assistance programs that will give you free sessions of counseling. But if you're feeling that something's not right, meaning your uh, daily activities have been impacted in some way, I think you have a lot of places to reach out to. Even churches have pastoral counseling. And so there's there's places, but you can always start with a, your family physician or primary care doctor.
1: I think, Go ahead. I, I think what the, uh, the, the neat thing about this book is that it does address the stigma. And that's what is, I think, the first step you have to get yes. over before you do anything else. And a lot of times when it is a cultural, it, it's, it's culturally built into you to feel like you have to be strong. The asking for help is a sign of weakness. I mean, I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. I know that's, that's part of different uh, ethnic cultures. And just, we've talked about this, it's just a part of different uh, cultures based on the timeline and, and uh, mm-hmm. different generations. So oh, right. definitely
0: within my generation also. I mean, they kind of say, I hate the word millennial, but, um, you know, you're a millennial. You you haven't even been here long enough to need therapy. You, you don't even have
3: those. an issue. Like, you don't have I'm issues. You're just too yeah. young for issues. Yeah, that's right.
1: the best thing about millennials is that there is some a lot of stigma about a lot of subjects is not there. It doesn't exist. Absolutely. And yeah. it's so important. I see that with my kids. And I know I've, ironically, I work for a counseling center, but that was not something that was in, in my vocabulary growing up ever. It wasn't even a mm-hmm. thought. Uh, a big part of that is we don't talk about problems. right? We don't discuss them. Ever. We're private people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I think that kind of perpetuates this idea that it's not okay for you to go and do that because... You're going to upset somebody in the family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, let's remember, in the not-too-distant past, you got drugged
2: to your local pastor. Yes. Or, like, if you had a Boy Scout leader or Mm -hmm. something like that, it's like, we don't know what to do. Tell us what to do with them. Exactly. They're not in mental health professionals. You know, they, they can pray over you. They can try to guide you. But you really need to reach out to that mental health professional.
0: Yes. What are some other factors that would cause someone not to seek counseling? In this day and age I know money, but the, mm-hmm. but that's the good thing about centers it offers discounted uh, therapy sessions if not free right. well, um, one of the things I, that we run into is
2: is the time it takes you know you know do I have to take off work and you know or you know if I have to take my kid out of school I don't want them to miss school even though at MISD, ECISD, they recognize this as just a regular doctor's visit. So, you know, there's not that's, any... That's good to know. You know yes. there's, there's no repercussions to taking your child out. However, you have to go pick your child up, take them, and our sessions are 45, 50 minutes long, and then you to try to get them back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're investing that time in your yes. child's health. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think twice about taking them to physical therapy. Right. Or the primary
3: care, their pediatrician.
2: Yes, that's exactly right. So you've got to you've got to uh, commit yourself to to taking care of their Mm -hmm. mental health as well as you do their physical health,
3: which will
1: help their academic health, which will it it will absolutely.
3: And you know, I actually even say that mental health is physical because a lot of the conditions have symptoms that are very physical, Mm -hmm. right? What are
1: What are some examples
0: of the physical symptoms?
3: Sure. Well, for instance, depression comes with sleep issues. You sleep too much or not enough. You can't concentrate. or difficulty concentrating, your appetite is restricted, or you're eating too much, right? Your energy is very low. Those are all very physical symptoms, right? And, and for so, kiddos,
2: they're, they're going to say, my stomach hurts. Right. Mm-hmm. They can't tell you I'm anxious exactly. about something. It's not, my stomach my hurts. My tummy hurts. They just see it yeah. as a stomach. Headaches. headaches. They, don't, they don't know how to, what yeah. to call
3: it. Yeah, yeah. they'll have as headaches. They'll have, like they'll have diarrhea. They'll have constipation. I mean, so it manifests in absolutely a lot of different ways among a lot of different age groups. But I think kind of wrapping around to what we were talking about before, before I changed the subject, was one of the other things I had it this morning. A lady came in first time to see me and was extremely anxious. And she was worried that I was going to think she was crazy and put her in a psychiatric facility. I mean, so a lot of times what keeps people from coming in is they don't know how we're going to perceive them. And unfortunately, another time she reached out for help, actually, not even a year ago, August of last year, she was honest with her doctor and they put her in a psychiatric facility without telling her and wow. she, right. And so, I mean, I think that those kind of things and stories, because now guess what? She'll go and tell her family that this is what happened. Mm-hmm. It perpetuates this idea that, you know, therapy or going to get professional help is for those people or you're crazy or you can't handle it on your own or you're weak. And those messages to me are absolutely absurd and wrong and Kind of one thing that I'm saying now to promote is silence is not strength, you know. Right.
2: I love those clients who run up to you in Albertsons or a restaurant or whatever. And it's like, Miss Christy, Miss Christie, you know, and they want to hug you. Yeah. And, or, you know, we will have people that will try to buy our dinner if we're eating out, mm-hmm. my family and I. Yeah. And they'll walk over and they'll say, you know, the therapist at centers or your wife, you know, help save my marriage or whatever. Right. I love those people that are saying. I'm okay with people knowing that I reached out for help and got
3: it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and it was successful. And it was successful. You know? So I have one, one client that she's always like, she's telling everybody, this is my shrink. And I'm like, stop telling say. them that because they're not going to think I'm very good. <laughs> 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 you have made no progress. I'm kidding.
1: Being the marketing director, I run into people, and I'm not talking about that in particular. I'm talking about our services. But I can't tell you how many times I've had someone come to me and have openness and inviting really – confidential information about how centers has helped them and only because they are so strong in their belief in what Mm -hmm. centers has done or what the therapist has done. So I think that's a huge compliment. And it's, it's an evidence that this stuff works. It's important. It it
3: works and it's wonderful. I took my son to centers. He was acting out last um, summer, partly because of what I was lacking in my own parenting took him to centers and we had a great experience. Even after he didn't quote unquote need to go back, he kept saying, well, when can I go back? I want to go back. Mm -hmm. I love going. And, you know, we're talking about a 13 year old boy wanting to go talk to his therapist. And at first I thought it was just because he thought she was cute because she was really cute, but he really (laughs) enjoyed it. And yeah, he got something out of it. He really did. Maybe a little both. Yeah. Hey, whatever motivates you to go, but he really, he enjoyed it. And so I not only, you know, work with centers and do a lot of referrals, but I use them myself.
0: I know that I am guilty of not going to see my counselor routinely. And then until I just wait until it gets, you know, something comes up and then I go see her. And I'm like, I always feel so bad coming right. <laughs> to talk to you because, you know, I could just, if I came every other week or something, you know, it probably wouldn't get to this right. point. <laughs> so uh, I think a lot of people are like that. They're just like... Oh, I need to go now because I don't know what, what to do. Exactly. And we do talk to people about the importance of maintenance. <laughs> you know,
2: back in the day, I don't know how long ago this was, but, you know, like your insurance company would only give you so many sessions. So you would use those up only if you needed them. And now it's a little mm-hmm. more humane and they recognize. So, you know, for them to go on, uh, you know, the importance of that maintenance. So it's like, I just need to come in for a checkup. Just like we all go to our doctors if we're smart. For, you know, yearly physicals or, and things like that. So now, which just a check-in is good mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. life, if life threw you a curve once, it can do it again. And right. come on in and let's just
0: stay viable. So let's talk a little bit about some of the treatments for, let's let's focus on anxiety. I think that that's a very common denominator in our society, um, Right now, I think. I mm-hmm. think that, that has that a is. big health tie-in, too. Yeah. Humongous. You mm-hmm. yeah. So, Stephanie, if you want to talk a little bit about what are some ways that we can deal with anxiety?
3: Sure. Yeah, so uh, going back towards Mel's point is there are huge implications, physical implications for anxiety. Everything from, you know, it exacerbates symptoms hypertension and diabetes and stomach issues and IBS. I mean, it it just can run rampant in our bodies.
1: You hear about people going into the hospital thinking they've had a heart Uh, attack mm -hmm. and it's an anxiety anxiety attack.
3: attack. Right. Because if you haven't ever had one, it is very real and very, very scary. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you do feel like you're about to die because you're short of breath. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it can be very, very scary. So there are wonderful, wonderful treatments out there for anxiety. So we have a series of medications that you could be prescribed that either can work on contact or either preventatively, and most physicians are moving more towards the preventative meds. They're less addicting, so that's always a good thing. Uh, and they just kind of help calm your central nervous system, which is where that stress cortisol you know, hormone lies in, in that area of the body. But you know, no research supports just medications alone. It's medications and therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people just want to modify it with therapy. But I think therapy and, and really your diet, don't you think, and your activities do, do a, a lot. So diet and activities can be extremely important. I push probiotics and omegas and green leafy vegetables. Um, I also push structure and routine. A lot of times anxiety will persist or exacerbate because we are thinking too far forward or too far behind and not in the current place where we are. Think about today. Um, because we're worried about the unexpected and the unknown. And so um, so I push some of those uh, natural supplements just for mental clarity. But then in the therapy, we figure out what is the cause for anxiety. But you know what, sometimes you probably agree with this, there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just a genetic glitch. Uh, And so we then talk about what will trigger panic attacks, what exacerbates them. Um, I tend to think of anxiety, Christy, I don't know if you do this as well, but as mental and a physical component. So we worry, which is the mental part of it. Um, And then the physical are the physical symptoms, the shortness of breath, the tightness in your chest. So we work to Develop techniques that are individualized to help that person if the physical components come on, and then we do cognitive reprocessing, which is changing how you think, mm-hmm. um, to help with the cognitive component
2: mm-hmm. of it. We call it retraining your brain.
3: Yep, <laughs> that sounds like a long process. Well, and you know, it <laughs> depends. It depends on the person, right? And yeah, so some motivated. people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really not as difficult as you think. And and I think we all try to just break it down very easily and, and teach baby steps. But our brains, particularly for the mental component, they're like any other muscle, you know. And so athletes go out and practice every day. So when they're in the game, they don't have to think about it. They, their bodies just perform muscle memory. Our brains are the same way. So when you're retraining your brain and you practice, 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 then all of a sudden it becomes automatic.
0: I was listening to a, I listened to a Life Coach podcast, too, and she said something interesting that I thought, Wow, that's a great way to look at it. What if taking care of yourself was a job description, a job requirement? What if that was something you had to do? You know, would mm-hmm. that put that on the top of the radar? I love would, it. Yeah. Like, you, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't do anything else 100%. That's right. You're
3: you're lacking in every other area, for sure.
0: That well, makes sense. And,
2: and people in our business that are already nurturers and, you know, carers, we tend to put ourselves last you know so we need mental health days we need mental health help yep i happen to work with some of the best therapists in the permian basin so i can always go sit in somebody's office and go okay Mm -hmm. what is going on with me my anxiety
0: level is up or you know whatever so um you know we need it too i was actually going to ask that question Mm -hmm. just because i was curious and i've been meeting to ask but now that we have two uh counselors psychologists on the show i'd love to ask how do you guys take care of yourself being in that field every, you know, mm-hmm. you do it every single day. How do you guys take care of yourself mm-hmm. and your mental health? Well,
2: with years of practice, you kind of learn to, you know, compartmentalize a little bit, you know, but but you take the you take those clients' stories home. You have concerns about them because they become, you know, you kind of invade their lives and you know a lot about what's going on, so you do worry about some things. But at some point, you've got to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with You know, your healthy environment, you've got, um, you know, supportive family and friends that you're taking some time off, that you're seeking help if you need help, and that you're doing the things Stephanie was talking about. You've got to eat healthy, get some exercise, try to get the proper amount of sleep, um, do some meditation, deep breathing, those Mm -hmm. kind of things.
1: So going back and talking about the uh, combination of uh, medication and therapy, um, I think Christy and... Dr. Stephanie would like to talk about a collaboration that we are we have uh, okay. between Texas Tech and centers that's going to be an innovative way to combine those two things. They just did a little dance and it was so cute. <laughs> oh, <they're> so, yeah, you guys <laughs> <Excited.
3: laughs> yes, were so excited. We are. Pioneer woman stuff here. It is, and I am <laughs> I am super excited about it. Christy, do you want me to?
2: Yes, this is your baby, it. and I'm, a, I'm part
3: of it. Okay, well, so I will tell you a little bit about the inspiration for it. I, Like I mentioned earlier, I'm a psychologist in the Department of Family and Community Medicine, and what that means is, is you go to your primary care doctor, and I'm in that clinic, so it's not like you're going to a separate counseling center or psychiatry department. So... You know, there's a bit of anonymity that you can have in in that environment, um, and but it also adds a great resource for the physicians there because I'm I'm there, and so like we said, a lot of this is not mutually exclusive mental health and physical health. It's all in there together. So as our program and our department grew at Texas Tech, I was by myself and I couldn't handle it. <laughs> so I started thinking, how do you solve this problem besides just complaining? And one of the issues, because <laughs> I, I, I like to complain. I have to, you're talking about how do you take care of yourself? I complain. And I'm like, girl, let yourself complain today. That's okay. <laughs> you can have a complaining. This is going to be your day to complain. So uh, the problem just became real. And I started thinking of the deficits that I see, even when I do refer someone out to a different therapist, there's not a collaboration with the physician, which I think I had begun to start taking for granted. So I can collaborate with their medical doctor um, to really enhance the care. And I find that the people that I do that with have better outcomes. So I started, yeah. So I started thinking about how we could solve this problem, but then there's a really big gap for mental health clinicians that we don't understand basic physical medicine. I had to learn it on the job. I didn't learn it in my 10 years of education. Uh, and so I started thinking, well, if we grow up people from West Texas, maybe they'll stay in West Texas, but we can close that gap between the physical and the mental health uh, and educate physicians and mental health clinicians alongside of each other together and, and really increase the, either the symptom maintenance or their prognosis for a lot of our Permian Basin community.
0: That sounds amazing. And that helps you also whenever you see a client that you have a little bit of background yes. about their medical history. And I think that it, it would be beneficial to doctors also because they might not know a whole lot about mental health. They work right. on the physical stuff, you know. You're right, so exactly. Working hand in hand and collaborating, that sounds like a great idea. Um, so if, is it available to any doctor's office here in Midland? How? Take me through the steps. How is that going to work?
3: Right. So at this point, what we're, Christy and I are doing is we're going to recruit two fellows per year right now until we can handle more. Uh, And they'll primarily be based out of the Texas Tech Family and Community Medicine because we have 48 residents or so that we train. um, And then they'll also spend half of their time at centers and helping provide all the services that Center see, but they will also then be rotating. And so my goal is to have them rotate to the rural communities, so they will be able to treat people in rural medicine, because that has a different feel yes. than than our medicine may here in, in Midland and Odessa. Uh, and then they'll rotate in the hospitals, and so they'll be in the EDs, in the emergency department. They will be uh, rotating with our family medicine residents on their on their regular rounding because a lot of times people that are in the hospital don't feel good mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. and there's a component there too so that way we're not missing something
0: and you came up with that by yourself yes <laughs> congratulations like thanks <laughs> this this woman's brain never shuts off yeah.
2: so she's always thinking about what can we do that will make things better who else can we reach how can we do that so I, I, and i think i always want to you know just kind of shine the light on the fact that the people that we are training are going to have training that's basically unheard of for LPCs anywhere else. You're going to be alongside Stephanie. You're going to be alongside medical doctors. You're going to be working with the MHMRs, the probations. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very comprehensive. You're going to be so well trained when you walk out of there. People are going to be fighting over you. And what we're hoping is that we'll already have them locked down. Right. Yes, yes, because we want to keep them.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) But this is,
2: I mean, this is... I didn't get this training, so I'm extremely jealous. I did my <laughs> clinical hours at centers, and that's where I stayed. And I'm, So whenever I talk to a psychiatrist or a doctor, and they're talking about medication and this, and I'm sometimes like, Please just talk to me yeah. like, like, like what, are are I, what are you talking about? What are you talking
3: about? And a lot of times the, the patients or the clients don't understand their medications either, yeah. you know? And Definitely. so yeah. my this mom will, is
0: sixty five. Yeah. She doesn't understand it. Exactly. And I have to, I'll go research it for her, yeah. you know.
3: And this can help close the gap. And and what a lot of people don't understand is there's a lot of medical conditions that come comorbid with mm-hmm. the psych conditions. Like mm-hmm. for instance, um, about I think the research shows maybe 12 months after the onset of diabetes depression sets in up to 2 years after you have a stroke depression can and anxiety can set in I mean so there's a lot of comorbidity here and the first thing that people stop doing when they go into a depressive episode or they're anxious is taking care of themselves so they'll stop taking their meds and physicians don't understand why they're not being compliant or not taking their meds well because they're not being treated for their depression or their anxiety.
1: And what about reactions to medication that sometimes oh. you might not know, notice yourself, but if you're regularly going to a therapist, they might be able to pick up on some changes. And then once that yes. uh, collaboration is made and those conversations are had, you know, there's something there that we didn't realize and right. would not have realized. Right.
3: Absolutely. So many times I can just walk right outside my door and either collaborate with the physician, which is another really neat thing, and say, hey, what do you think about this particular situation? And I'm thinking about maybe recommending this meds. Does it interact with any of the other meds that they're having? Or this doesn't make sense to me. What do you think medically could be going on? Because UTIs can create symptoms, which are urinary tract infections, can create symptoms that may seem like you have depression or psychosis or delusions, you know, okay. uh, so many physical conditions, syphilis. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that can manifest. If your thyroid is off, it can manifest as depression. So a lot of times just to be able to walk outside of my door and say, hey, you know, what's going on? Because at the end of our days, let's just be real. If we've seen so many clients or patients and the physician has to, we don't want to sit and have a conversation at six o'clock at night mm-hmm. about collaborating. So it's just really cool to be able to walk outside and say, what do you think about this? And Let's start this.
0: And will it take place at the Texas Tech Center?
3: So they'll be all over, but that'll be the primary location. Well, I say primary, but really they'll be half and half. So they'll be part-time at centers, part-time at our facility.
0: So if we wanted to get involved with that, if we wanted to take advantage of that program, uh, we contact centers, contact Texas Tech? Yes. Okay. When is that going to start? Well, so
3: we are in the process of seeking funding at this point, and um, we are gaining a lot of progress Mm -hmm. on that. We haven't gotten the full funding for the first five years that we're seeking, but we're on our way. Our goal is to start in the fall, hopefully October. Yeah.
0: And there's nothing like this in West Texas?
3: Not that I'm aware of. I've looked, and I don't see anything. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is I think that I counted 14 master's um, counseling programs in the West Texas region, and there's nothing when they get out they have to figure out how to get licensed and how to build their clinical hours and so hopefully this will fill that gap for them
1: so this is a very innovative project for our funders to get involved in so we encourage anyone who has an interest to to come on and give us a call
0: (laughs) definitely and if you wanted to donate to the cause you can go to the center's website Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm sure texas tech has a a website with a donation option
3: Well, we work slightly differently because we're a state institution, and so if someone was involved, they could contact me directly and I could get them to the right place or contact Christy. Contact
1: us and we'll let them know, uh, give them information.
0: And Stephanie, if you can give us your phone number and address of your office.
3: Yes, ma'am. So I am located at 701 West 5th Street in Odessa, Odessa, Texas. It's the Texas Tech Physicians Clinic building. And the number there is 432-703-5200. Great.
0: Is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners before we end the show today?
3: Sure. You can purchase In Session on Amazon and and (laughs) BarnesandNoble.com.
0: Go buy it look forward to be a
3: movie that's my goal (laughs) Shonda Rhimes I'm coming for you
0: (laughs) and we're going with it (laughs) thank you Stephanie and thank you Melanie, Christy thank you Center's Solutions is a production of the Recording Library of West Texas post-production work is done by Bailey Hinnis and Abby Wiggle. content is provided by Melanie Size and Christy Edwards Contact Centers for Children and Families at 432-570-1084 or the reporting library at 432-682-2731. Email Melanie with questions you want answered on the show at msize at centerstexas.org. That's M-S-A-I-Z at C-E-N-T-E-R-S-T-X.org. ORG Both nonprofits are on all social media platforms. See you next time.